Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Uh, we kind of started kind of first. This... Uh... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was, I was just going to say this because it's our first like uh, like real like live live well, not live but uh, first like kind of show of uh, 2024. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm still at that point because it's early. It's like, what year is this again? Like, I, yeah, I just want to write 23 <laughs> sure on I anything. Having to make yeah. sure I do it right. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, we started this episode under a bit of duress because we were having a long, involved conversation on um, Carrie and Cross, and Shad was like, no, we're wasting content. We have to start the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were that wasn't even our topic for tonight, but yeah. it was it was a really good discussion. It's like we need to pick that up. But um, what like oh, were Lord. those bot accounts that were like hyping that up as um amazing? Yeah. So Sick new finisher. So just for just for background, because I don't know when y'all are listening to this. We're glad you're listening, but I don't know when you're listening. This was right after Karrion Cross um debuted his. New faction. He's he's now aligned with Paula Ellering and the um, AOP, and did his quote unquote new finisher to Bobby Lashley, which is a pump handle into a power slam position on the shoulder into an F5 that damn near killed Bobby Lashley because it almost dropped him on his head. Um, and so. The, uh, what did Bobby Lashley do to make someone so upset that he has to deal with working with Cross and the AOP? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I know, I know you have to have filler feuds sometimes, but like, what are, what have they been doing with him? Like, seriously? Like, they wanted Karen him to Cross? work. No, Bobby Lashley. Oh. Like, remember they wanted him to work with Mania, and I said that match should be, he murders Shane McMahon in five seconds and pins him. Uh, yeah. Like I just don't, I just don't get it with him. Like you could have so much. You, I mean, I know part of the problem is this is the Roman show, but for one of the guys they actually protect, they have not used him well in a really long time. I think that's part of the problem is that they've put so much into protecting him, they don't know what else to do with him. Like, what do you, what do you do with the guy you have built up as a big monster, who you can't have win the main title? Yeah. So, but, but the, anyway, it, Cross it, does this whole thing. He gets him up on his shoulder like it's a power slam, like he's going to do Brian Clark's old meltdown finish, and then, like, hucks him into what's supposed to be kind of like an F5, but damn near drops Lashley on his head. He and, did get his face pretty good, though. 
Yeah. And we're kind of confused by these people who are, are looking at looking at it on Twitter being like, man, sick finish. And it's like that, 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 that's, that's awful. Like that's yeah, terrible. It, it looked like a, it looked like your stereotypically bad, like late two thousands indie finisher. Cause it's like, it's too, it's doing too much. It takes too long to set up. Like cross is actually so uncoordinated. He could barely do the, like he was struggling to figure out how to get, Bobby Lashley's arm in the right place to do the pump handle. Like, so he was already off to a bad start. It was not a good look. But it reminds me of every week you see, like, you see some NXT clip and it's the NXT women and someone being like, oh, this is so awesome. And it's, it's <sighs> these trainees doing some crappy move, like mistimed and just awful. And they're like, this is so good. It's like, this is actually like, businessly exposingly bad i i don't know if those are strictly bots or people that are just they they've they've come to believe that anything the wwe does is just brilliant everything's amazing and it's correct like that it actually frustrates me specifically the people that go on that about like the nxt women it's like they're bad uh, they're uh, all bad well the nxt women were even like regular like actual like main roster talent like I actually like her, but I mean I'll use her as an example. Like Liv Morgan, not not a very I like her, not a very good like good worker. No. Um. Even though she's she's likable, but again not a very good worker. It's like she'll do something like a like something that's not even complicated, like a clothesline or something, maybe like a duck jumping clothesline or something like that, and they'll be like oh oh my god, and they'll act like it's the best. Like you're watching um. Manami Toyota versus uh, Paul Nakano. Yeah, Aja Kong. Like, in some sort of, like, 30-minute epic. It's like, no, it's like she did the mo- a basic move, and she didn't screw it up. Like, it's this is, like, the lowest of hanging fruit that you are grasping at. But My, my favorite are those racist idiots that are like, oh, we need this stable, like, on the main roster. It's like, so you put the four Asian women together. Mm. Do you realize one of them is Chinese and the rest are Japanese? Or no, do yeah. you just want to put the Asians together? Oh, we need we need Asuka and Kairi and Yosuke and Xia and an Asian, like, in a Japanese stable. It's like, okay, okay. One of them's not Chinese, Japanese. Like, she's not even the same. You know what's, you know what's a great that. irony of that is? Is there's that meme clip of someone taunting... Um, EO and she's like, I'm Japanese, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so they obviously missed that one, but I I, I it, don't I don't watch much of the product. I'm sorry to cut you off, Brad, but mm-hmm. I know like this was I think it was this year. Not well, not this year because it's 2024. See, they already screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think over the summer they had that that WWE pay per view in uh in Puerto Rico. Yeah. That was, uh, that, was, uh, that was like April or May, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was, it could have been the summer, but it also was like, like I think I feel like mid year, so that sounds about right. But I guess it was headlined by like Damian Priest versus Bad Bunny. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll say this about Bad Bunny, like he, he seems to be a genuine fan, at least like actually tries hard. So, um, but I, there was an EO, there was a funny thing on on Twitter regarding that because EO, I think EO face Bianca Belair and like EO for some reason was like massively over in Puerto Rico 
And the funny thing was, like, she because she actually has experience. She did Lucha Underground back in the day. And she's worked in Japan, like in Mexico. No, sorry. Of course, she worked in Japan. She's from Japan. Like, she worked in Mexico is what I was about to say. Um, so she actually speaks, like, fairly fluent or good Spanish. And so she's, like, cutting promos in Spanish. And so I mean, like, on Twitter or something like that, there are people who are quipping. It's like, oh, my favorite luchador, <laughs> Io Sky. And it's, like, <laughs> it's it's clever, but it's also, it's, I mean, you could pick worse She's a really talented worker, and she actually does speak like Spanish competently, so I can I can appreciate that. You, uh, there's a funny story about how awful Lucha fans are. So you know how Naito does the eye thing, or he did the eye thing for a long time. Yes, I know why he does it. Yeah, so he but... he did that because he did a young boy excursion in Japan. I don't know. I mean, in in Mexico. Shad, you'll love this. So he started doing that because the Mexican fans were yell were, chan- were yelling at him to open his eyes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you, you have to appreciate Chad. Like if you if you get exposed to other cultures. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a little bit exposed to like Latin culture because uh, I've mentioned before. Like my I my daughter has gone to like a Spanish daycare. Like you, you'd be surprised at like how other ethnic groups like you know there they have their own races oh I, yeah i, I will yeah. say it's, it's sometimes like eye-opening it's like oh and didn't i will say with, you're, you're kind of blatant about this <laughs> i will say for all of like the pearl clutching on twitter and like in certain circles about racism in america you need to get out of it because we are rank like we are rank amateurs on the world stage when it comes to racism yeah i don't want to i'm not trying to throw other cultures under the bus i'll just say that at least i would in my opinion at least in america we feel bad about it other cultures like they don't seem to feel bad at all they just oh, yeah like, yeah you're, i mean you're like proud of it almost europeans are still racist as hell and they they just pretend like they aren't mm. it's like it's like oh we're not racist like well, what about gypsies they're not people well see <laughs> that's what i was saying mm, yeah that's that's true and I'm not well, even I mean, kidding about that. Remember, that wasn't even that was maybe like ten to twelve years ago. But remember, I think it was in Italy. There was like a dead Romani girl on the beach, and no one gave a shit. They were just enjoying their beach day because that's horrific. Yeah, yeah, that's how bad it is. Yeah, that's so. <clears throat> the uh, actual original topic for tonight, hmm. which is horrific in itself, because uh, <laughs> so if if you don't know, um, I should have looked up his real name. Hold, on. I have his wiki up. Hold on, sorry, I, I'm doing him a disservice. So Killer Khan, known as Masashi Ozawa, I think I said that right, passed away December 29th. And um, it's really horrific because he well he had an aortic dissection which is horrible but he pretty much died in front of his bar patrons because was that I, this year no it was the end of it was December 29th of last well, not, year not oh, this wow. year in terms of like 2024 oh wow it was that recent though. it was okay. recent yeah. no no that's why that's why his name kind of has popped up recently yeah, okay that's why we're doing this and he was like he's kind of he's kind of like he was his bar was kind of like a tourist destination like. Uh, Kawada's ramen shop is like he was like a destination place for like wrestling fans to go and like sing karaoke with them and stuff mm-hmm. huh. and so um, yeah so he died at the age of 76 on December 29th of an aortic dissection 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we're doing this show. Um. So he's kind of. Ah, uh, he's his place in history is kind of hard to um place because I would say he's forgotten, especially a lot with these more ignorant online fans now. But I would say if people that are knowledgeable of his era, like he's like a known quantity mm-hmm. to a large extent. And um, like it's a name if you if you know anything about 80s wrestling or watched any like territories for any extended period of time or even know your WWF history. Like he's a name, you know. I had heard about him. I not. I I still haven't seen like a lot of his content. Now I've only seen before this. I'd only really seen his um some of his mid south stuff and his Hogan program from eighty six. I think maybe eighty seven. Eighty seven. I actually yeah. haven't seen that, but I I had heard that that yeah. ironically I think he like they they did a house house show circuit and that they actually drew like good money doing that. Yeah, if you if you go on YouTube, there is a video that um, has like the feud build up in the program. It's like in th- I think one of the matches itself. Man, the like Hogan in the <laughs> excuse me, Hogan in the eighties had he just had like the formula. Like he just had like every year he had like three, four, five feuds uh, with like uh, just monster heels. And just would make bank. Remember, like, uh, we we did uh, our episode on Kamala, the Ugandan giant Kamala. Like, Kamala. Yeah, he allegedly was like one of the top like grossing Hogan programs. Yeah, I mean, like, Bossman ended up being the top gross one, which surprises yeah. people. But their '89 feud is actually his biggest box office one. Yeah, people give Hogan a lot of crap. Uh, in terms of like his his work rate, like he was he was a fantastic worker. It's fantastic. It just like came the, up the, in our Discord, and I stand by it. He is a better worker than Roman is. Oh, it, it's not even in my opinion. It's not even close. Like like Roman, it, we I guess a lot of people would probably have like a modern view of how things are. It's like, dude, it's not. It really isn't about like a lot of moves. There are people who would say like Will Ospreay is. The, I mean, I feel like. They're very like Meltzer focused. It's like Will Ospreay is the greatest worker alive and one of the best of all time. And it's like I, I personally am not that big of a fan of Will Ospreay, no. so I I have a bias there. I fully admit that. That said, just because like Hulk Hogan couldn't do like you know, like flips and crap like that, like that doesn't mean he wasn't a great worker. He was actually one of the best of all time. And it's because he actually he actually could do more in ring stuff than you could actually think about. He just didn't need to. But beyond that, it's like no one could really like work the crowd and ooze charisma like he could. And Roman just can't touch that. I'm sorry. It was Roman has like, the same match every time. Well, it's yeah. Like, I mean this, this three, four year title run, however long it's ridiculous. It's going um, 10 years. For like, all yeah, it's, it's, it, he's working essentially the same match every time. And that's when you. I and guess it's not real, a good match. No, no it, but I it guess it kind of got exposed. It. And the problem is, like, it worked for a while, but then when they put him in there with Jay, who is not a star, like, it totally like they they totally saw like the wizard behind the the curtain. 
Yeah, even even hardcore WWE fans, I think like SummerSlam really exposed it when they didn't have like a good match, and then he basically screwed off and hasn't worked more than like a couple times uh, in the six months since. Once since then, maybe maybe twice, maybe a couple times. The fact that he hasn't, like, I think that's even like hardcore fans are like, what's this? So no, that definitely that definitely was their jump. Well, I think the problem there was the match sucked, but I think that's also when people caught on that they actually don't have an ending to it. And mm-hmm. the thing is, you can have you cannot have your ending. It's when people realize that you don't have a plan that it starts to fall apart. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, Hogan Hogan's feud with Killer Khan. It was 87, I guess. Like, yeah. that's a good business. I, well, I, I was, I wonder if I could, like, I was going to maybe do the comparison after we, like, review the matches we did. But I, I guess I can do it now. It's like, I don't, I don't know to your point. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a modern equivalent to Killer Khan. Because he wasn't, like, a, like, a huge heel. But he also, like, you, you, it's a name you hear about. Like, people have kind of, like, forgotten about he's a, him. He's a... I, I think the problem is, is, like, now he wouldn't work. He seems like, from what I gathered and what I've seen of him, he seems like a journeyman utility guy that yeah. you bring in for three to six months. He beats up jobbers on TV. He maybe beats, like, a gatekeeper, and then he works some program with, like, a top guy. He gets his ass beat, and then he moves on. That seems yeah, to he, be the formula with him, which, I mean, is fine. Like he seemed, to, he has his place. Like I, like I said, like I don't think he's like amazing. But if I was booking an '80s territory, like yeah, I'd bring him in for a run. Like w- you know, you always need something to kill three months and draw. And I'll say from all this stuff, he drew heat. No, yeah, he he he's a guy that was basically like perfect for the the territory days. And really worked well there. You know, uh, I don't know that this is really like a perfect analogy, but maybe he's kind of at the level of of like a Brian, a current AEW Brian Cage. Like Brian Cage is a guy that actually you can fit in like matches, and he's actually a pretty decent worker. But he's not currently in AEW being pushed as like you're not pushing him for like title matches and stuff like that. Mm. But he he's in like he's in kind of like a stable with Mobile Embassy, where he's like he's like a bruiser. He can do he's like a monster, but he's also like Look, not a high level. That that's not a perfect analogy. I'm just trying to think of a guy that I, kind of I can't think to. of someone who would have like such a limited shelf life that he he strikes me as like. Maybe a thirty uh, percent Abdullah or something like that. <laughs> no, I think he's better than Abby. Like if I had my choice between Abby and him, I'd take him. In terms of actual like work rate, like no question, Killer Khan. Like Abby was not a good worker, but in terms of like charisma and like presence, and there's aura. Like Abby, like, aura. Yeah, aura. Like Abby is. Like like heads and shoulders like. But see if, if I had my choice, though, I'd take Kamala over Abby for that. 
look, I know you're saying that that he's a better worker than Abdullah, but here's the thing. I'm I'm the um, what's the term I'm looking for here? I'm the fuddy duddy of this episode because I do I am unimpressed. Yeah, from Shad what we watched. Impressed. No, I, think, I am. I think my difference with him versus Abdullah though is. When it comes to getting your face over afterwards, like Abdullah isn't going to take the beating that Killer Khan took in all of these matches. Like you, you do lose aura, but I don't think Abby's going to like, that's the one thing I'll say about him is he made all of his opponents look like just absolute like killers. The vibe that I got, because we watched three matches. Um, one was against Terry Gordy. One was against uh, Andre. And one was against uh, Ricky Chosu. And the vibe I got from watching these was that the, they basically just kicked the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. And his skill set was, I can get beat up. I'm I'm kind of tall and I can get beat up. And frankly, that don't do it for me. Well, these like, were blow-offs. These were blow-offs too, though. So he was getting he was but you're, exiting. Even if that's the case, you still want him to look like enough of a threat that he's worth overcoming. And it's to me, this is like proto Jinder Mahal, except he did even less work in the ring, and that bugs the hell out of me because I, I watch him and I'm like, look, I, I, I'll, I'll joke about it sometimes. But when I watch this and go, wow, he he was a name around the world and I wasn't great, but I was way better than him. Like it it bugs me to see that because even if he he come me watching him, he looks like a stiff. He does not look fluid. His punches look like shit. He threw lots of stomps. Um, he did a weird scream that I guess was character but just was jarring to me and i kind of like the scream though it kind of makes him seem like he's crazy i it it's to me the scream was i'm trying too hard like i've been in the ring with guys who were trained enough to just get beat up and that's basically the vibe i got out of him i don't know it kind of reminded me of like um when (laughs) ming does his like gibberish talk when he's just like beating someone up Okay, uh, you can't say that because I'll I'll start laughing. Ming doing his gibberish talk <laughs> makes me think of him in WCW. Mean Gene sticks a mic in his face, and you, he just looks at the camera and goes, Yimmy Hart! Yimmy Hart! And that was a running joke between my brother and I for years. Was like, what are you mad about? And when you can't articulate, you just go, Yimmy Hart! Yimmy Hart! You know, that's... <laughs> See, I like I, the scream, though, because the scream kind of like when he does it, you're kind of like, what the fuck is up with this guy? Like, that's kind of I don't think that's like a bad reaction to like your heel necessarily. I I'm just I'm just not here for it, man. It, it does not. What upset me, though, is like they I liked him better in the All Japan match because he wasn't being so much of a racial stereotype. So he was just kind of being a dick. But 
I like WWE like had him in this like stereotypical like Mongolian garb, and I'm like, man, like you guys should have let him do that executioner thing he came out to because that was swank. Mm-hmm. Out of all of the matches, the Japanese match with Ricky Chosu was far and away the best thing. Like no question. But I. So we're gonna we're gonna work backwards because I want to I, I have to say though because like the problem I have is like he's not my favorite like I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right now he's not my favorite I don't think he was an amazing worker but I have to say like two of the matches that we did for the show I I loved two of these matches I thought absolutely loved them and like I would literally classify I would probably give the all Japan match four stars and I'd probably give the Terry Gordy match like three and a half stars. I don't know if I give the All Japan match four stars, but it it's good. Like it was good. I sh- and I agree. Like I think the Terry Gordy match was actually really good too. And I like so I have I like there's a cognitive dissonance I have where I think all that stuff. I'm like, well, how is this guy in two matches that like I because like like I have like I have like varying opinions about things on the show. Like I usually like what we watch. I'm not gonna be dishonest here. Like I usually end up liking what we watch. But, like, I, I don't know if I've ever come away with something that wasn't, like, Beach Blast and been like, oh, my God, like, I love two of these matches. Like, that doesn't happen a lot for me. So there's, like, a dissonance here where I'm, like I said, I still don't think a lot of them. But I'm like, well, how how is he in these two matches that I, like, absolutely adored? And and I was kind of mad because, the, like, I hadn't seen the Choshu match before. And I'm like, like, damn it, I should have, we should have made Shad watch this, like, first for his, like, intro into Japanese wrestling along with the Andre, Andre match because it, it, I think it would have resonated better with you than, like, some of the, the New Japan, like, not a huge heel face dynamic. Like, it, this, I get what you're saying, but man, this was not, um, this was just not hitting. Like, Khan was not hitting for me. Now, Ricky Chosu, like, dude could work. That was cool. I think I... Andre. Uh, my takeaway from that was, like, uh, Ricky Chosu is a giga chad of a face. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so I was talking, like, offline, like, about this with you guys. Like, it, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not, like, an aficionado necessarily of like japanese wrestling i love it but i'm not like i'm nowhere near as skilled or as knowledgeable of it as uh as like guys like Meltzer or people yeah. who who've seen like so much of this like i have seen a good bit of japanese wrestling but not enough that i would say i'm an expert that said i have seen some of uh ricky choshu's work and he's a fantastic worker it's just that he's kind of I guess modern fans, uh, they really probably they're probably like our age um, or younger, so they they kind of got in where they started. He yeah, was a waning he, guy he wasn't doing the hot stuff yeah. like the younger guys. He, his role as his ace of like Japanese promotions was really like the 80s, like yeah. maybe some of the 90s kind of. This is like um, the one era that like all Japan was beating New Japan because he jumped from one company yeah. to the other. He was a legit ace. I mean, it's like to kind of I'm not going to necessarily like he's not in terms of like style or 
the box office or whatever necessarily. But I'm saying he he for that period of time was like he was like the Cody Rhodes or he was like the John Moxley, I, I like think the, he could, the Adam Page. Like he's like he's a big star I and think, people would pay to see him like he I, was successful. I think I could show this match to my wife without any context and she would understand that Ricky Choshu is like a star because he just yeah. like you don't need any explanation. I, like, I mean, I know Shad knew the name, but I think Shad got it in like five seconds. Like as soon as well, he was, I knew I knew who Ricky Chosu was, because that's where Sting got the Scorpion from. That's mm-hmm. where he got the yeah. Sorigatame. So, yeah. it, it it is not. Um, I love I love when Ricky Chosu throws on the Scorpion because he does it so quick. It's such a practice move. Yeah, for him, he just like slaps it on. He did and he did a killer con here. Yeah, he match. did. It, and and yes, this was the best match um, of what we watched because it is. Uh, I, I guess it's like everybody else. You go to Japan, you better have your working boots on. And we saw him do more in this than mm-hmm. we did in anything else. Um, I thought he, I thought he did have like a lot of more presence in this. He, he came was, off like a really like a like a monstrous. He was just yeah. kind of a prick in this match. Like he, because he could just, yeah. he's kind of just being more himself. But I wanted to say with the Scorpion Deathlock, it was the Chikara special, which required you to turn someone, but there's a match on um, high noon that I want to do that show eventually. But green ant who is, um, he's Tracy Williams. Um, so anyway, he was having a match with Tursus. Who's like really big and green ants not, but he was trying to turn him for the, the Chikara special and he couldn't get him, so he just starts kicking him in the back as hard as he can until he can turn him. And I was like, "Oh, that is such a great like way to handle that." But anyway, uh, so yeah, I'd say he was more like he was just being more himself. I think he was just being kind of a jerk because he's yeah, kind of he trash talking was... and stuff. Yeah. When I say he was a monstrous heel, I don't mean like a monster heel, like the trope. I mean, he was just like, just a sinister, like, like asshole, like just a jerk. I feel like he's not a monster heel and gimmick. I feel like, what what did I call him, Shad? More like a, I feel like he's more like a hired gun assassin um, feeling character. He's like a, he's like Oh God, I had a thought for this and now I can't remember what it was. He was like a um it, basically he's the hired thug you bring in to to whoop up on whoever it is you're not wanting to deal with. And um the uh God, I had a character in mind for this and now I can't remember who it was. He's it's killing like- me. He's kind of like um, I'm gonna go comic book here. He's kind of like those B tier characters like Rhino or Shocker and Spider Man or um, oh who would be like Firefly or um, oh crap I just had a name and it slipped me or Killer Croc and like Batman like those secondary villains that don't necessarily always work for themselves but are there for like someone to pay a couple bucks to try and take care of business. Yeah, they're not like iconic, but you know, you definitely they definitely have a place. Yeah. Um and he bled in this pretty good too. 
Yeah, he did. And this is um this is on YouTube. It's it's styled as a death match, but I was I was telling you guys, like it's not like a death match. Uh, how like in in the modern era we define death matches? It's there's no thumbtacks, there's no light tubes being broken over people's heads. I, I think it was uh, just it was them telling the audience because this is the era where like Japan had like fuck finishes all the time. So I think this is a uh, mm-hmm. this is them saying, hey guys, no, you you can trust us. We're gonna actually have like a winner in this one. Yeah, this seemed more like actual like a. It, this is almost to me this is more of, of like a grudge match. Yeah. Uh, that just had like a little bit loosening of the rules. And I mean, Choshu did chuck a ref at one point. Yeah. Now I will say he, that... he had fire. He had like a not only did of course he had like the charisma that it was no wonder that he was like the ace of a company. Yeah. Um, or an ace of like the eighties. Uh, but he had some fire. He had like he definitely came to like it. It really because the whole point. Really wrestling itself is like if you if you don't have like all the backstory you don't watch like promos and everything like that you should in theory be able to go into a match and be able to pick up from the match at least the general gist of like the reasoning for the match if, if it if it's like some sort of feud or grudge match whatever and if they had been feuding for a while where there was something that led up to this which i assume there was i don't know anything about it i don't know yeah, i don't either but I got I if I don't almost feel like I don't need that. I mean, they obviously would add to the entertainment value of it, but I didn't necessarily need that. Like, cause cause Choshu definitely brought enough fire that I'm like, I don't know what Khan did, but Ricky Choshu's pissed off and he's like bringing it. I like um, I like the finish though. The finish is really cool because where he just he tries to pin him, he doesn't, and he just kind of measures him up and he's like winding that arm up. He just comes off the rope and gives him a lariat and pins him. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. That that was something that in watching this, I was like, oh, that's where that taunt and all the wrestling games come from. That was Chosu winding the arm up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got it. And, and I have to give Khan some credit here because he did come off the middle rope to the floor at one point. Mm-hmm. He did. And then he hit a was. Did he come off the second rope? No, he came off the top rope with the knee drop, I think. Yeah, I think it was the top rope. And I like because it's a grudge match. So there's a point where he pretty much does like the Tongan death grip to Ricky Choshu. And because it's a grudge match, Choshu just gouges his eyes until he lets him go. I like that. <laughs> uh, but this I don't is... know, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. Like, this was the best of them, and I still was just not, like, I don't know, man. It, it it was not settling for me, I guess. So this was 86. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go back to 84. So this is, um, this is, uh, from world class. So we get, there's a build video for this, which I like when they do these. Mm-hmm. It gives us a little time, but so we start off with, um, the Freebirds are out in this like shit brick of a van in the parking lot. It's Terry oh, this Gordy. was fun. Terry Gordy comes out <laughs> and he like spits his chewing tobacco out. And like, I never thought much of Terry Gordy as a talker, but man, he cut a great promo here. He was, he was like, he was going off. Yeah. He was fired up. He's fired up. And he, and it was, it was like, I, it, I mean, it was meant to be serious, whatever. I also, I kind of, I'm not trying to take away from it, but I also found it really funny where he's like, don't touch my van. 
you want if I want to hit my van, he's like slapping the van. I'll hit it if I want to. If I want to take a dip of snuff, and he like puts some snuff in his mouth, and he like chews it for like a second and spits it out. Uh, it's he's just like manic, yeah, really going off, and it's really funny. There's a certain authenticity to it that I don't feel like a lot of modern promos you get. Yeah. Like there would be if it was today, there would be some like bit of like corporate jargon or like some niche of social media that would like totally ruin the moment. Mm-hmm. It's snuff time. It'd be like, Con, I know you're out there tweeting about my van. <laughs> <laughs> I I like this whole backstory because I feel like. I just did this whole spiel about how like you need to you you should be able to just like watch the match without necessarily needing like a video package. Yeah. So um, I'm not saying that, but we in this case we did have that video package kind of explaining, mm-hmm. and I actually did think it enhanced it. I I found it, um the next part I found interesting too. Well, I like that they basically set it up. The, the premise for it led to basically a, a Texas death match between Terry Gordy and Killer Khan. And they had set it up where it's like Killer Khan and Terry Gordy were friends of sorts or associates. And Killer Khan actually taught Terry Gordy his like finisher, the Asiatic Spike, which is. Oh, yeah, I forgot uh, that bit of, of story. That was that. Was... Which is like the it's kind of like the solo Sakai, if you want, like a modern wrestler, like the basically like the thumb yeah. spike into yeah. like your carotid or whatever. Um, it's kind of like in, in terms, again, of like trying to suspend disbelief with with wrestling it's like in terms of like wrestling moves like this is one of the more like kind of silly i mean a, a strike to your neck could be believably as a finisher but Are just you supposed a, to tape um, up your thumb real good so like it's extra like, yeah not whatever supported oh, yeah. yeah yeah however like that's like allegedly in, in kayfabe killer Khan taught that to uh terry gordy but then terry that killer Khan turned on terry gordy uh, because he was basically a higher gun of Skandor Akbar. Yeah. And he, this, uh, this betrayal led to the Texas death match between Terry Gordy and Killer Khan. And this was actually another good match. I, I well, we're, we're missing. There is a bit of buildup though. Cause there's a second part to this. So there's, okay. they go to the sportatorium and there's like a, they're into like a David Von Eric, um, wild Bill Irwin match. And Terry Gordy and Killer Khan had gotten into it, and like stupid ass David Manning comes out and he's like, "Hey, look, guys, like we need you to like cut it out because they're in this big fight, and we need them to have this match now, or it's not going to happen." Which I thought was a bit of interesting, um, an interesting concept. I don't know if I would do it, but it was interesting. So they come out and they get in this big brawl, and immediately mm-hmm. because I hate David Manning, like Terry Gordy punches him at one point, and his dumb ass doesn't sell it. He just falls down and he's back up like nothing happened in like five seconds. Because, you know, he's David Manning. He sucks. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, if you're David Manning and Terry Gordy punches you, you should be dead and not getting up for 10 minutes. Mm. You should, at the very least, be on the ground going, what happened? Yeah. So this is, um, so then we go, so this is a fun little brawl. And then we go to the Texas death match. And this is like the first time I think a Texas deathmatch finally clicked for me that, oh, it's really just the last man standing with an extra step. And it made sense in this context, but they kind of worked it right. So this is just like a bloody ass brawl of these two fighting. Mm -hmm. And they have Carrie Von Eric as like the special um, guest referee. Yeah. 
And he, he wasn't actually bad. We can touch no. on that in a second. Um, did did Killer Khan like? Did he blade or was this like hard way? Because at one point he, it was kind of. Oh, he was bleeding an uncomfortable amount of blood. Yeah, he was, and the thing that that was bothersome to me is like he was at one point like down, like he'd been knocked down, and he was kind of like on his back, but he was lifting his head up. And the blood was just like dripping I from the back of his head onto the mat. And to, when I saw that, I'm like, God, did he like bleed hard way or did he like blade? It's just, it was a very somewhat graphic visual. I think he might have bladed uh, high to, for a better visual because he didn't have hair. Yeah, he was bald. So that it would be, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. He also. Uh, Tip, it was not in one of the spots that you typically do a hard way at. So mm-hmm. I, I was leaning away from it being a hard way thing for that reason. Yeah, I was yeah. surprised Kerry was so – he was a pretty good referee because there's a point where he pulls, like, Gordy off of him. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love that – so it was a good callback to, like, the Michael Hayes thing where it kind of fell down. Because he didn't do the Michael, he kind of did the Michael Hayes thing, but he talked to Terry while he's doing. He's like, "Come on, buddy, like we get, you know, you can't win if if uh, if you don't get off of him." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true because at one point Terry was just like choking the life out of him. Yeah. Uh, which from a lot, actually, from a logical standpoint, somewhat makes sense because it's like if you basically choke a man into unconsciousness, like they're not going to actually like get up for the, the ten count or whatever. But, um. Yeah, Terry was actually uh, sorry. Uh, Carrie, Carrie was actually really pretty good in this. He's very unobtrus- uh, unobtrusive. Yeah, did his part. Actually, did a fairly good job as a referee. Didn't like, ex- like in- who who was the asshole for for Claire uh, Harley Race? Oh, oh, Gene Kanitsky. Gene Kanitsky, like he wasn't a Gene Kanitsky, where he's making trying to make himself the star of the show. Oh, I pissed like. Because remember, remember how awful Kanitsky was? He wouldn't let them use the cage. In a cage match. In a cage match. match, dummy, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I'm all mad about that now. Usually Shad's <laughs> yeah. the one that gets mad about that one. <laughs> and so this one kind of breaks down, and, like, Missing Link comes down, who is a really interesting character we should do a show on at some point, because he's actually a really talented wrestler. I assume he probably was a worker and did stuff before the missing link gimmick. He was Dewey Roberts and, and before he was the missing link. But I, I was watching that like, Oh, Shad already said he's a stiff. And I bet this is making it worse because like the missing links out there, like doing stuff mm-hmm. and like, he's being like a character. Mm-hmm. He didn't really hardly do anything though. So he kind of emoted and stuff though. But it's like, uh, you know, not really, not really doing much. So there wasn't really much to get upset about because it's like, well, you know, whatever, I guess. But who else was out there? I know with the brawl, like, um, Skandar Akbar lost his headpiece. It's like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen his hair before. You know, I, I kind of noticed that, too. I was like, huh. Because I was like, who is that? Like, And I'm like, oh, that's Skander Akbar. I've never seen his hair before. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but, um, but I like this too. Like this is like the first time like a Texas death match like really clicked with me. And I'm like, oh, like it's just the last man standing match. They're just it, the point is like to beat your opponent so bad you can pin him and he can't answer a 10 count. Okay. Like I'm, I'm with the, I'm with the, I'm with the gimmick now. I'm, I, um, was familiar with it. You know, the, it's like, yeah, I, I know, I know the, I know what the gimmick is and everything, but I was also kind of like, uh, even, even with that, Khan just didn't, part of, part of the struggle in all three of these matches is that you have him going up against people who, even if they're not fast or even if they're not, um, uh, I'm trying to make sure I pick the words right. Even if they're not like the the great visual, but spe- these are like dynamic presences to have in the ring. You know, Chosu was good, but he moved and he did good stuff. And Gordy is big and he's tough and he's doing things. I mean, and, and Andre Gordy's, is Andre. Gordy's big and tough and he moves like a lightweight. <laughs> so yeah, Gordy's like yeah. a freak. Gordy was how old at this point? He uh, was still like a... he'd be 23 or 24 at this point. Yeah, he's so damn young. Cause I know you talked about it. Like Gordy was good at a young age. He like if you watch like the, if you watch that two out of three falls match he and Michael Hayes had on TV with Lawler and Dundee in '79, he's 18 and he's already like good. Remember we watched that match. Um, match from Georgia in like 81 and he's only 20 there and he's already like stupidly good. It's kind of a natural at it. Yeah. We should probably do some more stuff on Gordy. Gordy has a, I'm kind of, I'm, I've become slightly fascinated with Gordy because he, he growing up, he was never like a favorite of mine and just really until I got older and, and things like tape trading was even possible that I really could be exposed to a lot of his stuff. Uh, his Japanese work, obviously. But JD, uh, JD on the Laps fan went off on him once and called him a bumblebee. He's like, he should not <laughs> be able to do the stuff he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a da- dude who was like big, he was, you know, no, a he's little bit so, rotund. I mean, he's agile as hell, though. He's quick, he's agile, he's a good promo, he's a good worker. He, like, like had it all. Like he should have. I mean, he was successful. He not as if like Gordy wasn't successful, and he's kind of almost reached like legendary status. But uh, he really. I, I the reason I say I've become somewhat fascinated is like he unfortunately like he should not have had a guy. Potentially, like Gordy should still be with us. Like he yeah. should have still been around. He would have been well, older, retired. I'm sure at this point, but still like. Did Gordy value. have um? Didn't he have some kind of of? He had a stroke on an airplane. In yeah, that he unfortunately that's a problem. He he basically he basically did so many pain pills on a flight. He gave okay. himself he gave himself a stroke and allegedly he was never the same since. No, yeah, can, that's that's what I was it, thinking it, of. It, legit, it like it documented caused him actual brain damage. You can tell. Um, if you see him wrestle after like 93, you can tell he's not the same. Like you'll see, you'll see flashes of old Gordy, 
but he's mm-hmm. not the same anymore. Yeah. Um, and then he was, I think his most famous post appearance of that is he was um, the executioner in the buried alive match. Yeah. Uh, I think was yeah, be but his, it, like... that just didn't work. And that, well, that that itself is kind of sad. Like, uh, it's it's not confirmed, I don't think, but basically, it, the, everyone assumes that him getting hired in the first place was basically a favor to Michael P.S. Hayes, who was obviously he's been with the WWE. He started with the WWE by that point, but he's been there for decades at this point. But yeah. that he was hired as a favor, and the reason they even put him because execution was like a dumb gimmick. But the reason that they that put a him gimmick that you you were like, yeah. hey, we need a guy to job, go put like black stuff on and. Well, the story that the reason why they even put him in like a job or gimmick with the mask is because like they did like Vince and all they didn't believe he could hack it. So in fairness to that, like basically tarnish his legacy of sorts, they just put him in a mask to be like, well, you know, no one's going to recognize him in a mask. So if he's he's not all there, it's terrible. It's not going to really affect him, which it's like that's that's just horribly sad if you think about it like a guy who was one of at like you could make the argument that uh i don't know if you could make the argument he's like best in the world at points but he certainly was probably like in your in your top level there's um, like your top percentage of people who workers especially when he was doing like stuff in in like late 80s early 90s especially like the the all japan stuff he was doing there's a way Uh, um before the stroke there's a way he moves around and like interacts with the ring that um, mm-hmm. is so natural. You there's only like a couple other guys I can think of like Bockwinkle and Flair that like have that same like way they they operate in the ring. That's just like it feels like he was born like working that way. Like mm-hmm. he just done it his whole life. Like he just. I don't know. It's hard to describe. You have to like see it to like feel it. Like there's just there's something different about him in the ring to anyone else. Yeah, it's it. Gordy was was just a different animal, and the shame of it, like we said, is that he had that happen and then he wasn't the same. Because I can't imagine what Brawler Gordy with some of the other people he could have been matched up with would have been like. Um, it could have really been, I mean, yeah, I know that he had interactions with Mick Foley, but could you imagine having uh, Foley and um, you know, you you have Foley and uh, uh, Gordy, you know, on a major pay per view, just having an all out go crazy brawl. They had a they had a match in um, was it ICW? No, um, what was it? Was the IW? What was that promotion they they did that tournament? And was it the IWA or IWF or something or ICW? Something like that. Yeah, because he talks about that in his book. He talks about working with Gordy. I, he he also told the story about um, he talked about Gordy in the book that you know he wasn't the same, mm-hmm. and what that 
because I think Gordy was at the um, I think Gordy was at the ECW arena the night they had the Kimona dancing up in the rafters to keep the crowd mollified God, thing. That's stupid. Hmm. I'm sorry, like that um, that stupid commercial that talks about that all the time is like burned in my brain because I, uh, you know I'm sad to say, Brad, me too. I, could, I just hear Joy, uh, Joy Styles' voice. I know. I, cause Big, Did I come out and want to lay a dance atop the ECW arena? I'm like, cause well, really, I had that memory buried until you said that, man. So there we go. When you listen to Between the Sheets, Bix makes that joke all the time, and it makes it worse. Cause I'm like, God damn it, Bix. Like, now I'm going to be – I've got the voice in my head. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Now I'm going to – I'm going to be doing that all day tomorrow. I shouldn't have said Total that. Elimination. <laughs> that's like that. That now that's coming back. Yeah. Oh, man, well, I, I don't feel bad for that one coming back because that came back in Cobra Kai. So. <laughs> oh, good. You know what? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They totally did a total elimination in the middle of it. I think so. I think I texted. Here's the first 2024 reference. Friend of the show, <laughs> Christy Petrillo. I'm pretty sure, like, when that happened, I, like, immediately texted him, like, Cobra Kai, total elimination! <laughs> am, I, am I the only... I bet Chris went. I was going to say, am I, like, one of the only ones in our circle that went to, like, a real ECW show? Not like the WWE ECW, but like uh, ECW ECW. I feel Dames might have gone. Dames would have been in the right area. I wonder if um other Brad had has gone to one. That would well, surprise me. But if we if we have Dames back on the show, we could ask him like about uh about because I'm pretty sure he I don't you know I don't know if it was an ECW I think it was like an ECW show or I mean I, otherwise it was sad to be like a CCW show. Yeah. I know that he yeah. like reconnected to actually with like his his wife because they they dated like years when they were younger for like a, a long time and they broke up and they were apart for years and then they reconnected and then now they're married with like two children and they have a beautiful relationship uh, and he's very happy. So, but it's like, yeah, like they reconnected to their like their love of wrestling. Well, She's a big wrestling fan too. Dames was very happy, and then Wendy's discontinued uh, discontinued the chicken, that chicken, that chicken sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He still misses it. <laughs> he's he says, I mean, I still I'm still miss it. He like texted recently because I'm in a I, again I, I've mentioned before I'm in a group text with him and Chris and another yeah. one of our friends Andy. Who I'll have to talk about Andy. If I can even try and get Andy on the show, Andy has written two cookbooks that are nationally wow. published. You can buy them on Amazon. Andy Lunique, L-U-N-I-Q-U-E. Andy Lunique, actually very big in the video game industry. I'm not even joking. Um, anyway, I'm in a group text with them, and he texted not that long ago randomly. It's like yeah, it's like one years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's one year since they discontinued oh. the chicken farm. I don't uh, like how he's still like on this sandwich. I wonder if um he's like I miss it, I miss it. I wonder if Dubs or Doctor Tom went to an ECW show. I don't know. I could ask Doctor Tom. 
We're, we're throwing out all the hits. Like Dub, Dubs, we a, really are. Dubs is a, I, Dubs I, is okay, a Philly guy. Like I, I um, I, I would have to think Dubs went because he was a Philly guy. He's a Philly guy. He could have gone. Doctor yeah. Tom, I don't know. Uh, for those who don't know, Doctor Tom, uh, Tom Fowler. That's F O W L E R. Go on Amazon. Uh, type Tom. Books. Tom yeah, Fowler. Type Tom Fowler. He literally has like a dozen or more uh, mystery books. They're he good. Does. Like yeah. he has built like a a secondary like career for himself. And I I want to say like I say secondary like he's Doctor Tom because he actually has like a doctorate. He is um he's actually a really smart guy. Like I think he works in like like nuclear physics or something. He's like he's a ridiculously smart guy. And he's like he's tall like Tim is. I think. Oh, he's very tall. He's very. Yeah. T- I've met. I've I, I've you know hung out with uh with dr tom in I need real to get life him and tim in the Super same nice place. i need to see who's taller because tim I, like, I have i have not physically met tim tim is big. if tim is if big. i remember if i remember i think tom might have given their professed heights i think tom might have an inch okay. on tim because tom's a big guy because tim's guy. like tim is somewhere between i've met tim um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember. He's six between six five and six seven. I remember he's huge. he's. I remember him <laughs> being uh, professing six six. No, he's big. I met him and he's he is a huge guy. Like he's mm-hmm. big. Yeah, um, I, I, like I said, I remember him professing six six. Um, and then Tom professing six seven. Yeah, because you can tell Tom's big. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not a small dude either, but that's – I'm not – I'm not big like they are. Yeah, like I guess what, that's part of the joke when I say I want to throw Tim and Dames in a, a, a mud pit to have them fight over Star Wars. Like it would just be funny because <laughs> Dames is very not big and Tim is very large. <laughs> I think that Dames uh... – point of contention that he was he was proud of it it's like i'm taller than rape Mysterio. it's like okay well <laughs> that's probably true but i don't know if that's saying a lot like, i rape Mysterio is like five three i've been like two inches away from him that's yeah, not yeah. saying much it's a problem uh, that's like john that's like uh, a number like uh top 10 top 10 wrestler jonathan gresham um oh <laughs> okay he's like five three i think well that's the, when people were like saying um when they were what did, what did they profess Adam Cole to be? By seven, uh, by Someone was like, saying he was six. Five, six? So, someone was claiming he was like five. No, he's not five, six. Because someone was talking about him once. I'm like, look, I, I've been at shows with Adam Cole. And like, I, when I'm like 185, like I'm bigger than Adam Cole is. Like, I'm sorry. I just am. Yeah. He's a li- he's listed as six foot one eighty. Oh, he's not. He's not six. But that's that's like that's that's based that's my measurements, and it's like I. I'm I'm like the same height as him, and I might be a little taller than him, and I'm at one eighty five. Like I'm broader shouldered and like bigger than him, and I'm and like that's without like working out. So, mm-hmm. um, he's not that big, and I know he's he's a little taller than Leo Rushes, and I think Leo Rush is like five six. Uh, Leo Rush is very talented, but yeah, he's he's on the smaller side. And he's a head case. You know, I 
I'm not. I actually would not be surprised if he eventually winds up back in AEW. Like, I'm not even joking. I think he's going to mellow out a bit eventually. I, but I, I think he's. He I think he's. I think yeah. I think he's actually started to. I think he. I think he's been trying to do stuff with. Uh, did he get signed to Impact? Maybe. I know he. I think he did some stuff with Impact recently. And I don't think he was. And he's doing stuff in New Japan. He's been doing stuff with New Japan, and I think it's been favorable. I don't think he was a hundred percent wrong in his complaints about WWE. No, I agree. He, he, he got wasn't. Up, he got upset about along racial lines with AEW, which is dumb. I could see, I can see where he was coming from. I just think that I think it was not it. well thought out. I think I think if I think if he had it to do over again, he wouldn't do it. Well, the problem is that there were there were African American talents there that were kind of like con- contradicting him, saying like, "No, like I, like this is a a, a place that's that's more fair for African Americans uh, in terms of like how they're booked and everything." Uh, so I think that he was very emotional about things and didn't necessarily listen to those voices. And I'm not saying like AEW can be perfect. Like, well, you know, Big Swole revoked their cards too. So, Oh, well, okay. a big Swole, I, I, I mean, she's an awful be person. careful because there are people who still like her. No, she's an awful know. person and she's, she's a bigot. Like, I'm sorry. She just is. Uh, and she's, I think very, uh, ignorant. She, she's in favor of herself, yeah. but, um, <laughs> I don't think that she necessarily is representative of she, people she, of her well, she like to, ethnic persuasion. Like she, she tried to style it as that, but I think it's like there there are members of the African American wrestling community that have like done well in AEW and will continue to do well. We're, we're, we're like, especially like now it's we're recording this on January 9th, twenty twenty four. The the agenda of like at least like on in Twitter the internet wrestling community on Twitter mm-hmm. is for Swerve Strickland to become the new, like the next champion after Samoa Joe. And mm-hmm. there are almost no one I've seen that are, that is necessarily against that idea. I'm not against the idea. The only thing I would say is the man had like a home invasion of Adam page. Yeah. I'm going to pound the table in kayfabe terms. I think you should still make him a heel, like not make him a face. But I'm I'm fine with that guy becoming my champion. That guy has organically grown to like huge levels. Look, like I, I'm going to defense the, the home invasion on Swerve's behalf. Mm-hmm. All that happened is it was a simple misunderstanding that um, Prince Nana told him that Adam Page had a mugwai and he was going to feed it after midnight. So you oh can my see gosh. the bind he was in. I can see. Okay, so <laughs> Nana was trying to do a service to the community itself. Because you want gremlins, you know that's how you get gremlins. That's I mean, how you get gremlins. But there's a way to do this kind of stuff. I mean, come on, there's a right way to do this. I mean, it's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna legit defend it. Um, if you like wrestling and you get offended easily, find a new hobby because wrestling's at its best when it's slightly offensive. Like, I'm sorry, it's trashy and it should be trashy. So. Um, I would not necessarily have done that angle, but wrestling should push those boundaries of taste I, from time I, to time. I can't, I can't actually talk too much because <clears throat> the um, 
that feud that ended that with that uh, chain match that I did, that feud actually had me um, because I was that was my crazy hill preacher gimmick telling the guy I was feuding with says you should feel bad. Last night, when you tucked your daughter into bed, you forgot to say I love you. And, you know, the implication being that I was creeping around. So I can't be too, uh, you know, I can't be too, uh, too high and mighty about that. Because if sometimes if you're if you're looking for hate, you've got to, you know, you need to find a way to really piss people off. And yeah, I think my biggest problem with swole though is she's a hypocrite because she tried more than once she's tried to tear down jade cargill and it's it bothers me because it's like you can't profess one thing and then be all butthurt because someone's more successful than you are no you can't you you can't do that it's like i'm sorry like yeah jade's not great in the ring but like if you if you're if you're sitting there and you don't understand why someone is holding a belt and on TV and you're not like, I'm sorry, like that you don't understand why Jade Cargill is a star and you're not because I don't know. Someone has charisma and you don't. I mean, Jade. Yeah. Jade had the charisma and Jade had the, um, Jade had, better you know better work rate and that's that that's rough for someone who is so she has better work rate and she knows how to um sky blue has caught on to this too like jade cargill knows how to utilize and weaponize her sexuality for her own star power yeah so i mean yeah i mean you know guys do it too so well, I mean, Finn Balor still wears trunks. I mean, let's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of those guys aren't. Some of those guys aren't <laughs> stuffing socks in their trunks for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So. <clears throat> it's funny to me, you know, the 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 topic for tonight was Killer Khan, and it's like, nope, we're still not there. Well, I mean, which they, I'm okay with, because. Let's so. We'll do the final match here. So this this actually is the end the ender of a feud that actually so let's talk about this feud real quick. So it won feud of the year in the Wrestling Observer for eighty one, mm-hmm. and the feud of the year for eighty one in PWI. And there's a match I could not find from May of that year that won match of the year in PWI versus Andre. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a fairly infamous angle like. Actually, the show kind of came about because of Matt, because he posted a clip of a Washington news anchor recapping Killer ah. Khan breaking Andre's ankle. Yes, George Michael, uh, not George Michael, the the singer, uh, formerly of Wham, uh, <laughs> Christy Petrillo's <laughs> favorite band. Um, really? The, the, no, it's, it's not. But he does okay, love. Good. He, does, he, uh, that... he unironically loves Last Christmas. Oh. Uh, uh, it's not a Christmas song. I I'm not gonna say I don't. It's, I don't mind last Christmas. I actually kind of enjoy that. It's just not a um, Christmas song. It's the only the only the, the saving grace of it is not. I mean, we already complained about this. Is that stupid um, Christmas in Africa song that they tried to do like as the next Farm Aid mm-hmm. that was like so Which stupid. I is one of my top three worst Christmas songs. 
and it and last Christmas isn't even in it because it's 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 um, Christmas Christmas in Africa and then John Lennon and Paul McCartney's Christmas songs are the worst. That's okay. Mount Rushmore worst Christmas songs. Those three in Christmas shoes. Those four. Those are the worst. The yeah, utter I don't worst. Like Christmas shoes either. Okay. Oh, go back to the Christmas. It's uh, just, emotional claptrap. Oh, it's it's. You know what? We we did a whole episode on that. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We'll... So this mm, is um, okay. So this is like this is like the comeback and probably like the end run where they. This is from the Philadelphia Spectrum, FYI. Uh, okay. So this is like probably like them doing the loop and Andre beating him on the way out. So this is this is a young Spryer Andre, which Andre looked really good in this match. Like I've never seen him whip out a pile driver before. You know, I hadn't either. He did. Like what? Uh, whose style pile driver was? This is like the I'm like like the gonna, Foley style pile driver. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna like puller. pull on your trunks, like fall yeah. backward, not like the the Jerry Lawler like classic pile driver sort. Yeah, it's a stump puller. Yeah. Stump puller yeah. pile driver, yeah. Yeah. I bet I bet some older school guys did that. Now I will say this match I I enjoyed this match, but there was there was a very stark issue with this match that took me out of it. Okay. So when Killer Khan gets Andre down and in trouble, they bring the stretcher out. And then I realize, like, oh shit, like they can't actually turn Andre to get him on the stretcher and he won't fit on the stretcher. Because <laughs> cause you can see Khan like trying to turn him. He's like, oh, fuck it. I can't do this. And then they kind of like tried to slide it under his stomach and stuff. And Yeah, it. Uh... Now, I will say I did like some of the stuff Khan did on this, like where they're trying to get him on the stretcher and he's like clutching the ropes and like refusing to. To go with it. So Andre pretty much has to beat him into uncomfortable. Well, sit on him into unconsciousness. Yeah. But this was, yeah, um, it's, it's, I didn't like the gimmick though. I thought it was kind of, no, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense is the problem. You know, in the course of this whole thing, they're doing this. It's like, there is no way you're getting Andre the giant on this stupid stretcher. And it was like a little, like, I, I it looked like one of those lifeguard boards that they mm-hmm. would put someone on. Like, it was a really tiny stretcher. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, you just look at it and you knew right away Andre's not, Andre's, Andre's not, um, he's not going out on that thing. No. No, that, that wasn't happening. But this is a good look at like a quick a quick short look of like Andre I think being a good worker though. This uh I think I looked it up. Like this match occurred maybe like two, three months. Uh I think before the classic Andre match with Stan Hansen. Mm. It was the same okay. year. Okay. So uh yeah, like Andre was still like in he, he still had his uh, working boots. It, it I was actually thinking about that the other day. Uh, 
like the Andre Stan Hansen match and, and this match, like the same kind of period. Um, it happened like in the early 80s, but it wasn't that long from here, like five, six years mm-hmm. when it was Hogan Andre, which obviously was, we've talked about that before. Like it's, is it the best match ever? No. Uh, in terms of like WrestleMania history, it's one of the most iconic matches and probably will be. Yeah. Um, but it, it on... it's scary. It's scary. Like how much Andre declined. Yeah. This was but... 11, 1481. Was it, was it after the, um, um, uh, handsome match then? Let's look, I looked it up on killer cons, uh, cage match. Let's see. So Killer Khan retired just FYI in '87. So he was kind of winding his career down for the Chosen match. Okay, '81. Let's see. I wish there was a way to. Okay, so Andre and Killer Khan were 11, 14, 81. Oh, he worked some AWA matches before this. So then <clears throat> Hanson and Andre was in September of. September 23rd, 1981. Mm-hmm. So it was two months after that. Okay. So Andre's got his chops at this point. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's still... Yeah. And also, like, PWI, then he would have won Match of the Year, the, the Kayfabe magazine in May mm-hmm. of this year. I was trying to look it up, see what that was on. Okay, so yeah, so this is Andre probably not at his peak as a worker, but like he's having a really good year. Mm-hmm. Where's May? Sorry, I'm having a having a fit here. Okay, well, I'll look at it later. I can't find the the world first one. So yeah, uh, so like I think. I would not say any of us think he was like an all-time classic worker. I thought this was an interesting smattering of matches. I really like the two death matches. Go back quick to the Andre match. Yeah. The thing that I really actually enjoyed, because I actually watched this a couple times to get like the full effect. Uh, two things. One, <laughs> for all you could say about him, uh, Vince McMahon back in this time period was a different entity. Like mm-hmm. he actually was he could be like stunningly i felt competent as like a play-by-play guy yeah he was pretty uh, good i thought he's pretty good he was he didn't like fall into like the issues that he later and he wasn't like the character he became like a caricature and it's like yeah you weren't that way before like and i don't perceive you as like you just got bad on like because you couldn't hack anymore he, like it, it was obviously intentional you know what it was is um he was answering to daddy and he couldn't eat all the cake that he wanted to. And then when he was running mm-hmm. things, he could he could stuff his dirty little mouth with like the entire <laughs> cake. And yeah. That's why he turned into such a character. Whereas this, he was having to play it. Sh- I also think too. So other than he had to play it straight for daddy, he operates better as a solo entity as an announcer than having to play off of someone, which he's not good at. I agree. Um, but he was actually pretty good. But the other thing that I, I actually light is that they actually like i thought vince kind of laid this out well where it's like oh like andre was like killicon at one point had like the better of him 
and he was like, uh, you know, like, and, and Vince was like, oh, Andre's like undefeated streak is going to end. Like, he's, he's going to lose. And then Andre makes the comeback. And he just mauls Killer Khan. And yeah. he just, like, starts doing, like, his whole, like, jumping up and down, like, butt stomp of him. But he's just, like, wrecking him. Like, he he, he butt stomps him into oblivion, essentially. He does. And, and that's not even, like, being facetious. Like, that's what he does. Like, six but, to, like, I think, like, he does, like, six to eight times, like, just for. But it, it was actually, like, believable. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, he's just demolished this dude. Um. And he just and kind of I disdainfully it, walks away when it's time to put him on the yeah. stretcher table. But I felt it worked. It's like for a guy his size and what he was doing, it's like, oh, yeah, damn. And it made me think about the recent Survivor Series that we reviewed. Um, and it made me think again, like, Survivor Series 88, like, it actually, like, Andre was used perfectly in that match because he had, at that point, he had, obviously, like, there was a lot of decline with Andre. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is again crazy because it's like it wasn't that many years from this, but it's like the decline was pretty substantial. But mm-hmm. he was used perfectly in that Survivor Series match where he wasn't in a, in it a lot, but when he did come in, he would just because of his size and obviously like the the kayfabe like aura and strength that he had, he would just like maul the hell out of people and just destroy them. And it was, he was just an unstoppable force, essentially. Like the only people who could really like defeat him were guys like Hogan, who was basically like your, your top like baby face. Or Macho Man so, who would outsmart him from time to time. Yeah. Or the guy that was like on the up and coming, like ultimate warrior. Yeah. He was um, just a force of nature and Yeah. A demolition that literally had to, like, get him tied up in the ropes, too. Yeah. Oh, well, also, also Warrior, he was fueled by distrusticity. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, too, that was a good bit where he got, Andre got his ankle tied in the in the ropes because they were teasing, like, oh, you know, he broke his ankle before and now he's, like, stuck. Yeah. It, but even with it being the callback and it being, like, a thing... I was still like, wow, this is the best you can do with that. I'm not. I mean, we've seen WWF style at this time, though, and the heels really just kind of get gobbled up and spit out in these matches. So that's kind of the style. And I didn't like it. I I didn't like it then either. So because that was your big problem with um, the Bruno and Zabisco matches, like the house style doesn't like sit well with you. Well, because. Like that Bruno Zabisco match is Zabisco was never actually even a threat. the The best example that I remember seeing in a WWF match was the Backlund Slaughter match, and Backlund's coming for revenge because you know he still got welts on his back where Slaughter beat him up, and it gets going and Slaughter starts putting the heat on him and starts beating on him until Backlund fires back up and takes over and definitively beats him. It's like, okay, yeah, I don't want to see the match blow off, be a squash because that's boring and anticlimactic to me. Yeah. It's a face territory. I don't, I don't particularly, I don't, I used to be anyway. I I don't particularly, yeah, used to be, (laughs) I, I don't particularly care for it either necessarily i think that's why it's never resonated well with me 
This makes me just want to do another slaughter show now that you brought him up. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, I, I, slaughter was a guy that I never had like, I never had negative opinions about him. Um, but having actually watched some of his actually like prime stuff, uh, even when he was like in the last kind of end of his like in ring career, he like in the still, early like late late eighties, early nineties, yeah, yeah, he was a great worker, and it it it, it had me like a, a better appreciation of him. I told you like I we just mentioned him a second ago, but Ultimate Warrior, like I can think of roughly four people who pulled a good match out of Warrior. One of them's Hogan, one of them's Rick Rude, uh, one Savage. of them's Savage, and the last one is Sergeant Slaughter. I thought that the Royal Rumble 91 match he had with Savage was actually, like, good. Yeah. Uh, is it, again, five-star classic? No. Was it good? Yes, it was good. Because yeah. Savage, uh, sorry, Savage, because Slaughter was good and bumped like a pinball for him. Yeah, yeah I... I... I can't um, I can't hate on Warrior the same way I used to because he has been in some really really good matches. You don't get luggage to that level of yeah. You 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 can get carried up to a point, but at the level of good those matches were, you you've got to be holding up your end of it. Like especially. To an extent. The Mania Seven match, like he had to have some modicum of talent to like hold his end up of that. Yeah. Match. I know Savage gave him. I think he told Sherry Martel Savage gave him like twenty something pages of notes on that match. It, it kills me that Savage would do that, and DDP learned that from Savage. And when Page showed up to do the thing with Undertaker, Page gave that to Taker, and Taker got pissed at him. And it's like, dude, the hell. Like throttle way the hell back and say, listen, man, this ain't how I do it, as opposed to being pissed and going to Vince and being like, bury him. Um, I I think if I, I mean, I know Taker was being a real prick in that era. I think if someone did that to me, I'd be like, well, I don't really work this way. Could you could you edit this down and give me like. Give me like the high points and we'll work it in. Yeah, I had someone get real upset with me once because they're like, okay, we'll do this, and then you do this, and then you do – and I was like, dude, like, I understand you want to do that, but I am not going to remember all of it. It's what? just it's just not going to happen. He got pissed, and I was like, fine. My problem – We with, won't have a match. My problem is, again, not trained worker, but, like, when you want to set that out, it's like, but what if the crowd's not liking it? Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting too rigid – I watched that happen. Um, there was a, I was at a match. Uh, uh, I was at a, it was a pretty small show, not a big crowd, not a big venue, but the crowd that was there was happy to be there. And these guys had charted their whole match out and they're going and the crowd's dead. And the guy running the show is going, Oh God, take it home. And to the point where they're doing stuff and he's, he's like, by the rail over by the announce booth and every time they get close he goes home and i'm just like i'm sitting uh, behind behind the curtain there was a partition where the crowd couldn't see us but we could kind of see the ring and i'm seeing him do this and i'm like oh god they're still going 
they're going to do their whole planned out thing, aren't they? Can Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If um, so if I was the owner there, wouldn't you just be like, hey, um, go run in and get them DQ'd because I can't take this shit anymore? No, because there, there, you create a certain vibe with the crowd if you do that. And if you've not warned anybody you're going to do that ahead of time, that's kind of a shitty thing to do. He's trying to get word to him of, like, wrap it up. This ain't working. And but, when they got back, he had a talk with him. He's but, like, look, guys, the crowd was dead. They weren't into it. I was trying to trying to tell you guys to bring it home. But you just kept going on your thing. Yeah, we, we had a thing planned out. He goes, don't do that anymore. And that would that was that was John Strange, and I respect the hell out of John Strange. So, you know. What, but like, I don't. What I don't get about that is, okay, were they new? Out of curiosity. Um, one of them was a was a lot newer than I was, and the other, the other had been around longer. I'm not sure what the deal with with that was, like that guy. But it to be charitable. They may well not have been able to hear John Strange too. No, I just went from um, the crowd reaction. I'd feel like, I feel like even as a rookie, you're like, hey, this isn't working. We need to. No, that's that. It's weird, but being out there and being in the ring and doing stuff, you kind of lose your. One of the things that is so important about getting a bunch of reps in is getting comfortable enough out there to being able to tune into the crowd because you get so focused on what you're doing inside the ropes that you forget to pay attention and you're not listening unless they are being crazy loud. And if they're being crazy loud, then you're probably thinking they're doing something right. But it it was a, um, it was just not, it's just something that comes with experience is being able to listen properly. Because I, I, I've said that before on the show, and I think it's still true, is I would rather the crowd chant boring at me than do nothing. That's just barely a step above. But I mean, One's least, just barely a step above the other. At least they care enough to shit on what you're doing versus they don't even care. Yeah. And you can, do, mean, something, you can do something with boring. Yeah, that's you, you can hear that and go, oh, okay, well, we can... Now we've got – if the crowd's not doing anything, then you got to get to a point where someone recognizes it and goes, oh, we got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think that'll about wrap this one up. Um, any parting thoughts, guys? Uh, yeah, it's, it's really tragic the way he died. I know he was 76, yeah. but, like, going out like that. Um, I'm glad we – I'm glad we did a show on him, even though like, you know, he's not some all timer or anything. Like I think um I think I think these like guys like him still deserve their moment because they were like part of big moments in history. And, you know, he's like an offbeat little character in the footnotes of history and I'm glad he got like we got to look at him a little bit. Regardless of what we thought of him as like a worker. So I actually, again, <laughs> I've not seen like a lot of KillerCon, and I kind of walked away with something of an appreciation for him. Like uh, I was telling you guys, like I'm not really necessarily gonna like seek out a 
like a comp of his his matches necessarily. But I do feel like he was at least like in the eighties. Uh, I don't know about the seventies, but it's certainly like the eighties when he was had his more prominent stuff. I felt he was a perfectly serviceable. Um, I'll say that we're I'll use the word base. Like he was a base. Like he he was a guy that you could have your like uh, upper level uh, faces work against and have put him in like a short term feud with them. Like I said earlier in the in the podcast, he was perfect for like the territory days. Like you could have him do like a, a quick program with them, and he would service. Uh, he would do his end, his, his part of the bargain. Like he would actually put on a good enough performance, be somewhat believable as like a a heel, and you could get a, a pretty decent match. Because I would say everything that we saw was actually decent to good. The the Andre match was actually the one that I liked the least, but I yeah. I didn't regret. It's like a ten minute match. It's like I did not regret my time. I, I thought that was more interesting in terms of like like on, Andre presented as like the force of nature that he was. He uh, seemed, I was gonna add to what you're saying. He seemed like he seemed like a guy that was a consummate professional that knew his assignment and gave you no trouble. Yeah, he did seem to understand like the assignment. He knew what his role was. His role was not to be to 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 steal the thunder of the face to get himself over necessarily. Yeah, he not... was here for a couple months. Like he knew, you know, okay, like well, okay, I'm getting my I'm getting beat up in this match. Like okay, well, I'll bleed, and you know, I'm gonna make them look good. Like he seemed like he seemed. It seems from the outside he was easy to deal with. Uh, so to that to that point. And I don't like comparing them because I, they're wildly different. But that people always rave, people in the industry, like workers, rave about how good Christian is. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do is because it, like he is like a fantastic worker. Like he knows the assignment. He knows how to get guys over. He knows like the little things to do to get crowd reactions. Like Khan was not on that level. Like I actually think you can make the argument right now that Christian is – arguably the top heel in AEW. I and would say top heel in like the world right now. The I world is like that's put... strong. I'm not saying it's not he's not in like the top five or top three. Like, yeah, I, I would amazing. I would definitely put him top tier. Like he's top tier would be up there. And I actually said on a Twitter uh in the last like week or so that and I this to me like this point is actually at this point so not so undeniable that I you shouldn't argue with this, but it's like people when when Christian got signed, people like were gnashing their teeth because it's like they expected it to be like CM Punk and CM Punk got hired like they Tony Khan signed him like three or four months later, I feel. But they they were expecting like CM Punk would be the big name that, that Tony Khan signed and it was Christian and people were kind of let down. Taken away all the issues they have with CM Punk, like forget all that. Can and anyone actually seriously argue that that Christian was not a good hire? It's no. undeniable that he was a fantastic hire, arguably outside of like the elite, arguably the best hire, like in terms of like what he has produced for the company. He's I been fantastic. Kingston fantastic. is probably a better hire, but that's like 
But, I would put them on par. Uh, you know what? Uh, I would maybe agree, but you're like – you're bringing out like the biggest gun you have. And I mean, like, like, <laughs> while Kingston was better, it's like, oh, it's like arguably outside of Adam Page. And I was telling you – I was talking to you guys earlier today. Like outside of Adam Page, who I think is like your true ace or should be, mm-hmm. he's – if you want to compare AEW to WCW, and I'd like to – in a favorable way, um, not in the way that you know WCW was a failure at the end of the day, but favorable in the way that it's it's an alternative to the WWE and has more of a different style. Something of a part of it is a Southern style promotion. Um, in that respect, like Adam Page is kind of like your Sting in that he's not a Hogan, but he is. He could be like your ace of the promotion for he's like, years to come. He's like that guy. He's like Sting in that he's like synonymous with the brand. Yes. Like there's. But in some ways, and I love Sting, I feel in some ways like Paige is better in some respects. It's like. I think Paige was a. Paige is a better worker. Sting eventually got to that point and it and was a good promo, but it wasn't necessarily natural in like the early 90s i think um whereas i feel pages now is like fantastic i think so i'm trying to think of who christian christian i think is up there but i think like if we're talking about the top aw signings like samoa joe um i just moxley brian danielson um swerve obviously uh jericho uh cody Okay, maybe we ought to say signings are are people who not were after. Okay, yeah, so he would not be, the initial. Danielson, Cole, Christian, um, Kingston, Joe, Joe. Claudio. Um, that'd probably be my list. I know I'm missing someone, I'm, but I'm trying to I'm trying to run through the. Oh, um, well, I'll say Brody Lee, but. I'm still a mark for Brody Lee. Nothing, nothing changing. Um. Oh, Swerve still. Yeah, Swerve. Sir, Sir yeah, Swerve. Yeah. yeah, Swerve would. Swerve, uh, I think hasn't entirely been actualized, but That's he's getting true. there though. He's getting there. It's like it's not like he's. It's, it's by design that he hasn't been fully yeah. utilized yet. Yes, but he's getting there, and, and I think I, what I what I say that I say it's like it's kind of a, it's slightly premature. Like if that if he, they put the world title on him, and he blows up, which he he's posed to. I mean, they I've been a lot of people have been tracking it. Like he recently did, I think he did like well, obviously like Tony Khan, like his family owns the Jaguars, but he I think I think Swerve actually like was part of like the opening of a Jaguars game. It's, this is a guy who actually has like crossover appeal and crossover appeal. I mean like into like the actual, like overall pop culture. And we're not in like the late nineties where you're necessarily going to get the same penetration. Like we, we can love the elite or Adam page or swerve, but are they going to become like pop culture icons? Like stone cold was or the rock, like that's, that's probably what- not. 
that's my problem. Because our culture with, has changed. That's my problem with Fed fans, like with the Roman stuff. It's like, look, mm. like you can love wrestling as much as you want, but it's not like it has no cultural attache anymore. So not to call him out, but we we talked about it on the on the show before because he had like issues with <laughs> he actually had like issues on Twitter like with Punk back in the day, but Paul Fontaine, who's heavily with like the Observer Group, um. I'm part of like some Facebook groups with him and he mentioned that he, he was kind of like trying to equate like rock versus Roman is like the same as like rock versus Hogan. No, no. And I didn't, I didn't get into like a whole like a uh, discussion with him, but I was like, no, it's not. And he like, got he almost got offended where it's like, Oh, like you don't have to be like, you don't have to mock it. It's like, I'm just saying, cause it's, it's like the, the, you know, the, obviously the, the top star of like the last generation versus the top star of this generation. And it's like, I didn't get into it with him, but Rock versus Roman, which is maybe the direction they're going with for WrestleMania. It's not the same in that Hogan is a, is a pop culture icon. Like, like he will be remembered. He's remembered now. Like he will be remembered you know, to to the extent that people will still remember people like in wrestling, Hogan will be remembered. The it's, Rock will be remembered, but, ironically, probably more for his actual like movie stuff than wrestling stuff. But they they became both pop culture icons. Roman has has not moved the needle at all. I don't if even you, think if you, on, if you go in like a hundred people on the street, any like major urban environment you ask who Roman Reigns is like if he got 10% I would be shocked I don't even think the rock really did a ton for them this time though because there's a segment of their fan base that are kind of mad about it because the rock doesn't mean like much to them anymore because that's the thing with it though is I was trying to draw a comparison and like you're nostalgia baiting a guy that really hasn't actively wrestled in 20 years and I was trying to draw like a comparison to that, which I was struggling with. And I was trying to think of like when Bob Backlund came back, and I'm like, well, Bob was only gone like a decade. So you're talking about, you're talking about, you're talking about like bringing like, I don't know, like, I, it's hard to like draw it like a big star that left in like, like, like the early 70s late 60s to come in and do like a program with hogan at like wrestlemania like that's that's like what the comparison is like there's this weird thing where they just like stuck in the past like i just i know it's going to do big but like i i don't think it's going to move the needle that much i think you would actually if you convinced austin to come out of retirement and main evented mania with rock versus austin again i think that would draw more interest than rock and um roman so i I, you're not getting you're never going to get the same kind of penetration and it doesn't work for the same reason that we're not going to have any celebrity who gets the same kind of penetration like elvis did because there is so much more generally available media that interests there is not the same kind of interest in common across culture like there used to be. In the time when there were only like four or five channels, everybody knew who the stars were. 
Everybody knew who Ed. Everybody knew who Ed Sullivan was. Everybody knew who Clark Gable was. Everybody knew who Elvis was. Everyone knows who Taylor Swift is. Okay, you are. You have picked out like the anomaly. Because someone, because whenever when some, when, I've had more than one person say I wouldn't know a Taylor Swift. I've never heard a Taylor Swift song. I'm like, you have heard a Taylor Swift song if you have seen a rom com trailer in the last ten years. You've heard one of her songs. Yeah. So, but my point is, you don't get that same kind of crossover, even compared to what you did in the '90s, because in the '90s it was what was the thing? Like the internet was. You know, nerds on message boards and chat rooms largely, but you didn't have, um, you know, you didn't have stuff like, you didn't have like the fragmented, um, different niches that are available now through, because even at the time with satellite and that sort of stuff, there were still things in common, and those yeah. things in were were largely, you know. Like when I was in high school, wrestling in South Park, everybody knew at least something about those yeah. wrestling South Park and probably friends. Right. Just for just for a sense of time period. Now you're not going to get that because there are some people that don't want any kind of cable subscription. Now, all they have is streaming or they don't even want that. They just use YouTube for whatever kind of passive entertainment they want to have. Yeah. And wrestling, wrestling—it's a niche. That's the thing. Wrestling's like, a niche. Yeah, and that—that that was the thing. Like with the Tuesday night, where someone said it perfectly, is like people are hyping up two promotions fighting over table scraps, like viewer-wise. Yeah, because they're not. They—they they discovered they didn't have very much crossover. Yeah, and they were fighting over what one. I think we were—we undershot it by. A hundred thousand people, and they ended up fighting over like 1.6 million people. Like you're talking about, you're talking about the WWE. If they do really good, can draw a little under 2.5 million people on Fox, like mm -hmm. a, a basic network. And if they do really good on USA, they might get up to like 2.2 million. Like mm -hmm. that's not good. That's that's like a minuscule well, amount. No. It for the current day and age, for everything excluding the NFL, that's oh, yeah. really good. And AEW is, I don't know, they hover around, like Dynamite hovers around, what, about a million? Uh, they, Something like that? They typically are between 800,000, and then they can get a million for like a really big show. But they're usually like, I think, between eight and 950. Okay. And that is like on Wednesday night, that's the biggest show on TV. So the ratings are not what they used to be. They're not, you know, it's not the same. No, but I will so say, I will say we though, can't compare it that way. I will say WWE's erosion should not be as bad as it, as it is. Like they should still be able to get about three in my opinion, if they had not antagonized their audience for so long. <laughs> It's just my opinion, though. Mm. But, um... So, next week, folks, we're going to be talking about... Uh, this was Shad's idea, I believe. Is it the worst person in pro wrestling? Uh... 
because we are we are we are doing a tie into Iron Claw. Oh yes, yes. The discussion of who the I think it was the discussion of of who the overall worst promoter is, right? No, or is we, it? We did the worst person because remember I dug up um I can't think of her name the luchador that was like serial killing old women. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Oh God. Yeah. What's her name? Um, I I have to look. I know where I can look it up, but I don't have it to hand. Yeah. So, so she she wins because she like <laughs> she killed no she killed like. What like forty of forty women yeah. or something? Yeah. Absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she wins. We'll, we'll get in details next time. Uh, but Juana um, Juana yeah. Barraza. Yes, that's what her. was her. Yeah, what was her ring name? Oh, let me look. We're spoiling uh, next week's episode, but whatever. Well, no, you can look up what she did because it's horrific. She was the old uh, lady killer. Yeah, uh. it's like she killed like. Oh, she killed a lot. Like, I think it was like 40. Yeah. Just. She wasn't like a big time luchador. Like she. she... Uh, La Dama del Silencio. Yeah. 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 Madam of Silence. That's that's a, that's very an apropos name for what she was doing. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) so yeah, we'll get into that, but, um. There, there will be so the teaser is going to be who else is on the list. Yeah, who who gets number two? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so everybody, thank you for being with us for this episode. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on social media, and if you got a request, wing it our way, and we'll uh, we'll put it on the plan. So everybody, appreciate you being with us. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.